0: Hello and welcome back to The Haunted Estate. Here with me, your host, Selena Myers, as usual. How are you? Are you enjoying this beautiful day? Did you see the strawberry moon last night? Yesterday was the summer solstice. I've said solstice 12 times in preparation, and I still couldn't say it right. Anyways, I would like to send out a huge thank you. Hello to Winnipeg, Canada, who is our top downloader as of today. Next is Baraboo wisconsin corvallis oregon woodstock canada which is where i live because people that i live and know and hopefully friends are downloading the podcast but the majority of them are top country will always be the united states of america they love podcasts good lord anyways i want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has shared the podcast Like the podcast, told their friends about the podcast, told their moms and their dads, because guess what? Our downloads are going up daily, and it's awesome, and I want to say thank you so much. Doing this podcast is a true passion of mine. I love bringing creepy, paranormal stuff to people who love it the way that I love it. I do love it. It does scare me. The things that I've seen, I sometimes don't want to repeat, but it's worth it for you guys, and good news. Really, really cool. Guess what? book is coming up. Book is coming up. I'm almost done. I'm powering through. And guess what? It will be available. It's also going to be available at stores all across Canada, which is going to be fantastic but easiest as always it will be available on amazon and and probably audible that's what i'm working with right now but you name it it's going to be out there and it's going to be fantastic so i'm going to shut up and i'm going to get into what we do daily which is your stories my stories and everything creepy in between but of course let's start off this episode by hearing from our girl sammy call and tell us your ghost story toll In life, I have come to realize that the only thing I love more than researching and writing is researching and writing about haunted spots. I love delving into the history of it and recreating the story in vivid detail for those who will listen. As long as you'll have me, I would love to contribute to the show by typing up some stories and adding some pictures, links, and research that accompany them. Jim Bishop is a loud-spoken, hard-working man who completely encompasses the nature of the baby boomer generation in America. He stands by the idea that if you want something, you get out and you do it with your own hands. In the 1950s, after just dropping out of high school, Jim decided to build a castle. He personally started to haul the boulders from the surrounding mountains up to a spot in the middle of nowhere. He combined them with concrete, masterfully crafted ironwork, which he learned in the family business, and some wood donated from other local businesses. Sixty years later, a large, detailed castle now stands in the mountains, just outside of San Isabel. National Forest, near Rye, Colorado. The castle is a long drive away from most towns. It's a ways down the Interstate 25. You turn into the tiny road of Rye, which consists of a barbecue joint, a gas station, a strip mall about three businesses long, and a grocery store no bigger than a gas station. A few cabins dot the aspen and pine-covered mountains. Lush green grass and the occasional Deer cover the land and the road. The winds around the mountain sides bring you deeper and deeper into nature. Just past the sapphire lake, you can see a large metal dragon's head, its mouth open as if it's roaring to the sky above. On some days, you may find the dragon even breathing fire. The castle, mostly hidden away from trees, stands as a testament to a single man's persistence. This magnificent magnificent site seems to be built out of more than just rocks, cement, wood, and iron. The castle is also built with blood. Injuries are to be expected at the construction site, but what if it's your own son? The Bishop family lived in a small stone cabin that Jim built in 1950, and his son was often present as his dad hoisted boulders and welded iron. "'One day, while trying to remove a large pine tree, "'things went bad. "'A chain was wrapped around the tree and hooked up to a truck. "'The truck was able to pull the tree almost all the way, "'but a few deep roots held fast. "'The truck stopped. "'As Bishop got out to take care of it, unknown to him, "'his son had crawled into the crater, "'left by half the tree being uprooted. "'He was in the hole.' under the half-rooted behemoth. Jim doesn't seem to say specifically how it happened, but something failed, be it the truck or the chain. The tree was freed, fell back into place, crushing to death Jim and Phoebe's three-year-old son. Some say the castle has since been made into a never-ending memorial for the child. Stained-glass windows were placed for the child's death, and Jim has since let others pay to have their own stained glass memorials erected in the massive castle. Bishop continues on building his castle now in the name of his son. He leaves the castle open to the public and even lets people rent it for occasions such as parties and weddings. Closer to his prime, he used to be much more relaxed on the rules. People would come in, enjoy climbing the narrow stairs and suspended walkways while viewing the mountains.
1: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
0: At one party, a man who had become intoxicated in the main hall, he climbed around the treacherous castle consisting of towers that lead nowhere and very few railings. The man had fallen from the castle to the world below, supposedly dying. I'm unable to confirm the death, but the man since the news wasn't attuned to the Bishop Castle at the time. An interview with John only leads to political rants, and all the current news is focused on a legal battle. There is, however, a strictly enforced no-alcohol rule at the castle now. Now, of course, this wouldn't be the haunted estate if there weren't some old, creepy hauntings happening. The visitor, who breaks the castle curfew on sunset have been reported to hear a child crying from the castle it's as if the voice of a boy echoes through the stone walls footsteps can be heard walking and running across the wooden floors of the main hall dusty child-sized footprints can even be found on the dirt floor several visitors claim to have seen a wisp of a child in the bell tower staring down at the people around the castle Many say it's the bishop boy watching down on them from behind the castle walls. The most eerie accident took place on Memorial Day weekend. A group of friends had come to climb and look around the castle. While at the top of the globe, a circular steel structure that holds the visitor in a place of high honor above the mountains and forests, a woman in the group screamed that a little boy had jumped off the bell tower. The group clamored to find the child's body only to find nothing. Chalking it up to altitude sickness, the group ventured on, this time going to climb the bigger tower. As they made it up the narrow stone steps, the girl felt a cool hand on her leg. She looked behind her, curious as she was the last one in the group. For a fleeting second, she saw the same boy that she had thought jumped off that very tower. If you are brave enough to venture into the middle of nowhere and face a medieval castle of stone and iron, you may just be graced with the bishop's presence. That was wonderful, and I'm so curious. I love castles, anything to do with castles. A huge thank you from Sammy. I know that she sent me a bunch of links and another email with pictures. So please do not forget to head over to thehauntedestate.com. You click blogs, uh, blog episode links. It will say Sammy's research, and it will talk about this castle. You can find what she wrote there. You can find her links and her pictures. So make sure to check that out. And a never-ending thank you to Sammy for bringing so much to our podcast. We love you. Tell us your ghost story.
1: 1877-260-3428 and visit us at the
0: Castles have always been a huge interest to me. Castles, mansions, any large, naturally built, really super old buildings that have just hold so much history. Obviously that's just one family, but just the stories that fall behind it and it doesn't seem that there's any mansion or What's the other word? Mansion, castles, or anything that doesn't hold some kind of energy behind it. And I think it's because so much work has to go into building something like that. Anyways, next up, a sinister haunting in San Antonio. Um, Antonio. All right, I'm from Canada. I don't know how to say these things. I know that's not right. I know I've heard on TV. But anyways, let's go on. As a young girl, Gretchen Upshaw was plagued by hateful spirits that hurt her pets and appeared in the night as a ghostly version of her brother. There are a few standard questions I get when someone hears, I'm a professional paranormal investigator, but this one always challenges me the most. When did you start believing in the paranormal? My honest answer? I don't remember. A time when I didn't believe. I spent my child in San Antonio, Texas, a city rich in history and riddled with ghosts. When Ghost City Tours decided to conduct paranormal tours in San... Oh my God, can we stop? I'm just going to skip saying that word. I was thrilled. Finally, the spirits were going to be heard outside the city limits. Something us locals have known about for years. The Thunderbird House. When I was about nine years old, we moved into a house on the northwest side of San Antonio. Antonio? God damn it. I'm skipping it. I remembered the tears streaming down my cheeks as I eavesdropped on my mother's phone call to her friend. We've decided on this house in Thunderbird Lane. Lee is making an offer. My heart sank. We are moving into what I was certain was a hellmouth. I hated that house from the moment we pulled into the driveway. It was a solid brick ranch-style home that sat back on about 2.5 acres of land. Two huge ancient oak trees stood on either side of the walkway leading to the front door. They were the keepers of the house, both massive and intimidating. My mother's friend once commented, Those trees will protect you. I remember thinking that she was nuts. Those trees were going to torture us. Our family of five moved in and our golden retriever, Tex, the weird stuff started happening almost immediately after my father father unearthed a big headstone during the landscaping excavation in the backyard. My cousin used to spend summers with me. She and I would sit in bed and count the shadows floating down the hallways. We would guess how many minutes would pass from one shadow to the next. We were never right, by the way. Those shadows refused to throw either of us a freebie. But it wasn't all fun and games. There was something in the Thunderbird house that evoked utter despair. Looking back now, I can easily label it as sinister and hateful. The spirit's nastiness was done to hurt me, keep me from loving or being loved. The aggressive and violent activity started less than a year after moving in. The sinister presence. Tex, our golden retriever, was meant to be my brother's hunting dog. "'but we discovered that he was gun-shy, which was awesome for me. "'I wanted my own dog, and Tex became mine by default. "'Tex slept near me every night. "'When I was sick, he didn't leave my side. "'Every morning, he walked me to the bus stop. "'Every afternoon, he waited for me at the fence after school. "'One chilly and damp afternoon, the bus was nearing my stop. "'I always looked out the window across our property "'to see Tex standing at the gate, tail-wagging with anticipation.' "'But as the bus ground to a stop, I didn't see him. "'I clambered down the bus steps and began to cross in front of it "'when I saw Tex sprinting down the property to meet me in the street. "'He had never done this before. "'As he neared me with eager glee, a car came speeding down the street and hit Tex. "'I screamed as the car collided with his poor body, flinging him into the adjacent yard. "'I ran to him, putting his limp head in my lap as blood seeped from his mouth.' Vaguely, I remember my mother running to me in tears, reaching me with an expression of helplessness. I stroked his face and begged him, please be okay. Then I felt him take his last breath and leave me there in the grass with his blood all over my lap and my tear-stained cheeks flushed with grief. For years after his death, I heard text tags on his collar jingling as he came into my bedroom at night, wishing me sweet dreams. I know that blaming Tech's death on the house is ridiculous. People speed past school buses, and family pets get hit by cars all the time. But it wasn't the first of many instances that involved me. A pet I loved, and a violent death. All oh, my dogs are barking, and this is about dogs. I'm sorry, I get really sad when things involve the animals. I'm gonna have to take a little pause. Okay, okay, I am back, and now have to find the article again. Whoops. Okay. My parents gave me a kitten a few months after the loss of Tex, when they thought I was ready. The second week I had the kitten, on a cold Saturday morning, a feral cat snuck into the house when my brother went out to take in the trash. The mad cat intruder went straight for the kitten, like he knew exactly where she was. He tore her tiny orange body apart while she slept in her little bed. I only remember the kitten's high-pitched shrieks and my mother yelling at my brother to get me out of the room. The list of brutal pet deaths continued. The sweet white rabbit that I found dead in her cage. The wild blue cat that adopted me as his soul's companion, who I found dead with a hole in his head in our backyard. The budgie that stopped singing for me one morning, the black Labrador retriever that died on our front porch one afternoon without a single sign. They were all doomed, as my loves. As painful as the year progressed, other strange things happened that mystified us. One of the regular occurrences that eventually became normal was the invisible bedsitter. I would lie on the side of my bed, my nightlight on, and my closet and bathroom door shut when someone would enter the room. I could sense their movement as they crossed the side of my bed to my back. Then the bed dipped as if someone gingerly rolled over. I would see the indentation on my mattress as if somebody was sitting next to me. After what felt like hours, I would watch the indentation ever so slowly dissipate. One time, I awoke in the middle of the night, parched, desperately needing a drink of water. I decided to head to the kitchen instead of my ensuite bathroom. To get to the kitchen, I had to walk along a long dark hallway that passed the front door with the two large floor-to-ceiling windows that flanked each side of the door. Each window was across from one of the big, protecting live oaks on our walkway. As I approached the first window, I could see the glow of the dim from the porch light, and the shadows of the oak tree dancing in the entryway floor. I looked out towards the walkway and saw my brother when he was fifteen. My brother was about twenty-two at the time and not living at home. But there he was, his fifteen-year-old self, dressed in his favourite shirt from that period and practically dragging himself up the walkway. Confusion rendered me immobile. He glanced up and our eyes met. The pain, reflected in his glaze, was clear. I felt a flash of fear. My heart raced as I moved forward. Nearing the second window, I looked out again. There he was, now standing at the front door. Our eyes met again, and he twisted his upper torso to face me, raising his arms toward me in a gesture of help. I ducked to the wall between the window and the kitchen. I slid down the wall and closed my eyes. Could this be a dream? Was I sleepwalking? Can a 13-year-old go insane? I crawled to the kitchen and climbed up the counter to grab a glass and some water. I drank two full glasses in record time. My mouth felt like the Sahara. My heart felt like it might beat out of my chest. How was I going to get back to my bedroom? What if the ghost of my brother's past was still skulking on the front porch? I took a deep breath, and I ran. I ran past the first window, the door, the second window. I sprinted down the hall, back to the safety of my shadow-filled bedroom. When I made it back into bed, I listened to the silence of my house. My palpitating heart slowed and my breath gentled to a normal. I closed my eyes in an attempt to erase what I had seen, even though the events continued replaying in my head. Then in the darkness, I heard it. Gretchen. I jumped up, startled. It was my brother's voice, clear as the bell. Again, louder, Gretchen. I watched the sun rise out of my bedroom window the following morning, knowing that my brother had never actually stepped a foot inside a Thunderbird house that night. Leaving Thunderbird. We moved out when I was 16. My family never kept secrets from one another. Every experience was discussed at great length. My good Christian parents weren't going to deny any of it. How could they? They, too, have witnessed the cockatoo flying off the wall. They'd seen the gray mist floating out of the fireplace in the dead of summer. They witnessed every glass light bulb from floor lamps in the living room explode simultaneously in the middle of the night. Perhaps most telling, they had stopped giving me pets by the time I entered high school. My experience didn't stop when I left that house. They just changed. Perhaps the interactions evolved as I got older, or maybe I just learned how to deal with living on both sides of the veil. What I do know is that when I think about my childhood, I am grateful for the metaphysical education I received, and I'm thrilled to revisit San Antonio and its energy, though I hope whatever sinister entity infiltrated the Thunderbird house does not find me once again. About the author, Gretchen discovered Ghost City Tours on her journey in creating a new life for herself in the magical city of New Orleans. She was ready for a career change and knew that she wanted to blend her professional, academic, and personal experience into the perfect job. After just four weeks being a tour guide, her natural leadership abilities and love for new challenges inspired her to pursue the role as general manager for Ghost City Tours. Gretchen is honored to be a part of that company. That encompasses two things that she has loads of experience in travel and ghosts. She is also an animal lover, enjoys spending free time with her rescue lab, Hildy, preparing delicious vegan dishes in an altruistic attempt to get folks to eat more plants. So what I'm going to do is this link will be available on thehauntedestate.com underneath blog links. I am also going to do some research on Gretchen Upshaw. I will post a link to anything that I can find about her. her If she has a book, her Facebook or webpage, the ghost tour. So you can check those out if you do visit that area of the world. So thank you very much, guys, and we will be moving on to the next thing. What are we at? 21 minutes. We don't have much time. I'll find something small and awesome to talk to you about. You know what? I'm actually gonna take this time to just shout out more another thank you. I know it started with a thank you, but I just want to let you guys know that two years ago, I became very, very ill, and I have spent so much time not being able to get out of bed, um, unable to do a lot of things. And one thing that I was able to do was make this podcast that started in 2015. It was something that I could do laying from bed. It was something that I could do when I was able to sit up at a desk because one thing that's always been there for me is my love of the paranormal, which of course started because I didn't have much choice in the matter. So when it comes to the people who send content into the show... When it comes to the people who tell people about this podcast and I get people writing me from all over the world telling me how much they love it. That means more to me than anything. Um, it, It has been hard sometimes to put this podcast out as I do cover all costs by myself. So if you ever do want to donate, there is a donate button on the page. Um, It doesn't matter how much you donate. Anything helps for the podcast. But mainly, I am looking for content, any stories you guys have heard of. Um, I'm very lucky for the people that have sent stuff in. I feel extremely honored that Sammy has helped with the podcast the way she has. I've had stories come in from amazing people, um, Ryan dano uh, i get emails every day of topics that i should cover and i just am very thankful and i I know that that's i'm i sound like a broken record but i just am and i've just really been thinking about that lately so as of today we have a shit ton of episodes out i'm excited to hit a real high number like 100 or something like that but again i just want to say i love you guys thank you guys and guess what We've come to the end of the podcast. And guess what else? I will see you the day after tomorrow. I know I missed a couple days there. It was right around Father's Day. Things were really hectic. I will be going back to work within the next month and a half. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to stick with the same schedule. I will make it, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. It really is. So thank you so much, guys. And I hope that you have an absolutely spooky, wonderful rest of your day. And I will see you the day after tomorrow.